0: Welcome back to the podcast everything you never needed to know about movies music and theater I am your host um, Matt and you know uh, having recurring guests have been amazing I've had some wonderful guests and you all know because I talk um, uh, I talk about them incessantly um, you know Jackie's come on a bunch of times, Carson's been coming on, uh, Andrew Quinney, uh, uh, my, my friend John Bishop has come on, Jackie's come on. We've had a great many guests, but there's one guest that I enjoy um, um, even more because not only is she a writer, she's also a director, she's also a really good friend, and she's been, um, um, she, her opinions have been very interesting on the sides with everything um lining up very close to mine but obviously having an opinion, opinion of a hone and she has this is her first time back on the show since the second season began so i'm very excited um i'm very excited to have her back and in honor of her coming back to the podcast i have a little bit of a fanfare <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Amelia Smith.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That may be the most epic introduction I will ever receive in my life. It certainly is up to that point. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's uh, honestly such a joy to be back doing this with you. I've enjoyed being on this podcast. I've enjoyed nerding out about all our favorite shows, um, and I've I've missed this, you know, life mm-hmm. has been busy for the past several months, but I'm really glad we have the opportunity to do this. Um, and thank you so much for that very sweet, very uh, well, warm introduction.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, if it, I don't think it's a surprise, um, our friendship and, uh, you know, what it means to me to have, have you as a friend, uh, have your friendship and have you in my life. So I didn't want that to go, um, I didn't want to do subtlety bringing me back and, oh,
1: Joseph and Andrew Lloyd Webber is anything but subtle
0: oh trust me I'm going to do a podcast with all Andrew Lloyd Webber and I've been toying with the idea of doing all the stuff that he has plagiarized but I digress um, but anyway um it's very exciting to have Amelia back she uh last time we heard her was Hamilton which was a two-parter and guess what she's back for another two-parter this one is very interesting I'm very excited um on, on this one, we're going to talk obscure musicals. Now, I want to preface this with this. These musicals may be in certain um, everyday fashion for some people. They may be ones that are done um, by theater companies every so often. We're using a loose term in terms of obscure. These are ones that are not mainstream. Um, you know, we love our Hamiltons. We love our... SpongeBob SquarePants, not really. We, lo- <laughs> we love our musicals, Annie Get Your Guns, and, uh, Cam- and uh, um, uh, Les, Mis. Les Mis, thank you, uh, Les Mis, Miss Saigon, Family of the Opera. We love the, our big mega musicals. Um, but we don't get to talk about these small little ones that kind of end up coming and are really, really good and never get heard from again for whatever reason and sometimes it's because they're still being worked on sometimes they're controversial sometimes they're um sometimes they are not well written um and uh i mean looking at this list here i actually don't think any of my list or or, or amelia's list are terribly Terribly bad written songs or musicals. Um, But we're going to do a two part. We're going to talk about the musicals themselves. So, our top 10 lists of obscure musicals. These are, again, based on myself and Amelia's um, judgment. And then we will get into top 10 uh, songs from certain musicals. Now, some of it might. laps over that's why this is going to be a two-parter so um this is part one and we're going to do obscure musicals part two will be obscure songs uh amelia are you
1: excited i am so excited i've been looking forward to this for a long time because underrated or obscure musicals are kind of the basis of our friendship i think one of the first like after i had gotten to know you a little bit doing theater together I think one of the first conversations I remember having with you was where we were talking about a certain show and there's like three or four shows that I really love that you really love and I feel like you're the only person I know who like knew these shows before I introduced them to you because I've introduced them to some of our other friends but um gotten them on the fan boat but with you I was like have you ever heard of this show it's called? And you were like, I love that show. And I was like, I thought I was the only one. So this is, yeah, very special topic. I'm really excited we get to talk about it.
0: I know what it was. It was that um, song exercise we do. It's still small, surprise or not. Oh my gosh,
1: yes. We were playing hotspot and I was like, somebody else knows Big River.
0: Yeah, you started singing one of the songs and then I counted it with another song to prove that I knew the show and that's we and then at at our break our lunch break or whatever we ended up uh, talking the Uh, whole musical and then talking other musicals so yeah this is what
1: we do and I we haven't done it in a while well
0: and and for people who don't know before the podcast began um, Amelia and I would have uh, brunch every so often when uh, Ben was just born and I dropped Megan off at like a mom's group she and i would have lunch i'd throw on some obscure musical and she'd be like i love this song and we would just talk musicals for like an hour while we had eggs and such and so it was very very fun very very fun all right so we're gonna start now funny thing enough is obviously i allow for uh honorable mentions and that's usually what i do first and then you didn't have any she had a solid top 10 list which was so easy for me to find so we're gonna start with my top 10 uh, my um, honorable mentions. And the first one is one I think we've talked about before, so this would be interesting to get your um, thoughts on this. Uh, then, on the day my brother Dick became of age, a Sealand spy shot Alfia's brother, Prince Alexander,
2: dead. In a second, Lagabal had no future king, and with its current king, Old.
0: okay so what's playing right now no one probably knows but it is called the light I princess i know you do but it's called the light princess now this was based on a scottish fairy tale by george uh, mcdonald and it tells the story of a princess afflicted by a constant weightlessness, unable to get her feet on the ground, both literally and uh, metaphorically, until she finds a love that brings her down to earth. So, very interesting uh, uh, concept of a show. Um, this, the 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 um, the creators is a Sam and Anderson, but the real. Um, uh not drag um what i want to say the real reason to go and see the show is tori amos Tori amos wrote the music wrote the lyrics um and if anyone doesn't know tori amos where have you been for the last 20 years but she is absolutely amazing the songs are wonderful i've been listening to um the light princess for a while here the version that's playing right now is a um, bootleg version i thought i couldn't find a real official recording for some reason but um um, I like what I hear. I like Tori Amos. I, I, I think this the idea of a weightless princess is kind of really interesting. And I don't know much about the fairy tale, but I've heard the music and I think it's absolutely wonderful. And it's one of the shows that it was in the West End and it was one other place, but it hasn't been performed very often, so it is very, very obscure. Um, Amelia, do you have an opinion on this musical?
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that this is on your runner-up list, because if I had done that, um, I <sighs> this definitely would have been on mine. I, I think there are some, sh- there's a few songs where the lyrics just feel kind of clunky, yeah. um, and you can definitely tell at some points that okay, like, this song was written by someone who's primarily a pop songwriter. But a lot of it, like, the score overall, I think, has a very cohesive feel. The entire score, um, the entire cast album is on Spotify, and I love just, like, going for long walks and listening to the whole thing because it's one... I love musicals where you can get the entire story just by listening to the score. And this one, even though it's not sung through like Hamilton or Les Mis, you really do get a pretty good sense of the story and it's got some really beautiful songs. Um, It's, yeah, it's, I love it. I actually was surprised that you didn't start with once upon a once, a (laughs) once upon a time lived a princess and a prince. Cause I just think like that, opening immediately draws you into okay mm-hmm. this is a, a classic fairy tale um, yeah. and it, I, in many ways it's a it's a modern twist on the fairy tale genre and it's, it's really i love the light princess i'll
0: tell you why i didn't start with that because i didn't because some for some reason people do feel like the minute that you hit them with a fairy tale they're like oh it's disney it's this and that so i wanted to give a little bit of a in the middle kind of song so people could tell that when i said tori amos this song that you're hearing in the background sounds nothing like what normally you hear Tori Amos. But the rhythms, the um, counter melodies, the way she stylizes the music is amazing. I will agree with you on the lyrics, and I think it's partially because she 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 is coming from an emotional. I mean, her songs are emotional roller coasters in themselves. I mean, look at "Silent All These Years." That tells an entire story, but it's still pop. Lyrics, as opposed to theatrical lyrics, which um, I could do a master class on what the difference is. Um, but anyway, yes, there are
1: some really wonderful passages. Like um, I'm trying to think what the the song is. The song that Piper sings to the King, where she's calling him out on his behavior. It's like that. There's some wonderful wordplay at work. There's yeah, it's a good it's a great show. Definitely check it out.
0: Yeah, um, better than good. No highness in the sky uh i have the list here but i can't find it anyway all right so that's my first honorable mention my second honorable mention this one was really close because i i feel like writers who write about their own experiences have the best kind of experience experience in terms of theatricality um and this one
1: guess what this one might be
0: no you don't no you don't i swear to god Stories of friendship And tales of how Romance survived I have so many stories. stories of yeses Of frogs Making messes And poor, unsuccessful And fat people's lives Stories of living Stories
2: of dying Stories of stories dying And ways we our fear <laughs> Stories of horses Parental divorces And how rich or poor It's a very small sphere Where we appear But you gotta have heart and music You gotta have heart and
0: music Okay, so if you um I don't know if you know the show, but it's uh I've
1: never heard of it, but I'm really intrigued.
0: A New Brain. It's by uh William Finn. Oh, Amelia froze for a second. Uh oh. Amelia. But anyway, um you froze for a second, by the way, Amelia. Um But anyway, this is A New Brain by uh Bill Finn. This musical was based on the um um of what happened to him that he actually had um a brain tumor and it's basically a musical that is told it tells about a writer a songwriter who keeps saying i have so many songs and is basically it takes place with him in the hospital unconscious getting the brain tumor you know the 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 taken out and going through the whole process but it's an entire um kind of looking at his entire life what he's been worried about what why he's lost his craft and it was kind of he was having um a writer's block and it's about how the power of art and the power of relationships do coincide and that you have to um elevate yourself and you have to stop worrying about whether other people are going to like it you have to like it so it's a very big statement about um um Music and I don't know if you can tell, but um, Jason Robert Brown actually ma- did the arrangements and orchestrations, and you can hear a lot of Jason Robert Brown in in this uh, song, even though it's Bill Finn. Um, so, what do you think of this? Never hearing of this before.
1: Well, I actually had heard of it once. You said the title. I um, had seen it advertised recently. I think there was either a production of it that was going on or a production that was streaming, and I. Um, had heard the title, but I didn't know what it was about, so I went and looked up a summary. Um, definitely, we'll have to give it a listen because yeah. it yeah, it sounds really intriguing, especially as a writer. Like from the first few words of that song i was like already as a writer as a creative person i'm already really into this
0: yeah and there's another song it's one of my favorite songs that Bill Finn ever wrote called um sailing which is sung by so the character is um gay and so his lover sings this song called sailing where he basically says i'd rather be sailing and it's basically i'd rather be sailing with you um and it's a beautiful beautiful song one and and unfortunately it 's not on my top ten list of obscure songs because it is on uh, currently my top ten songs overall of everything because um, it 's that good um, so a new brain next one coming up at you on the i don 't know i can 't remember if I told you this i 've been doing this as like a dj coming up on your everything you never need to know about movies, music, or theater podcasts uh, it 's a commercial. <laughs> I love the faces I wish we were doing video because I I love seeing people like react to what I'm what I'm in. Uh this is number my number three on my honorable mentions list. Elton John and Tim Rice's Aida. Um, I love this musical so much and it was one of those musicals that I loved instantly. I saw on Broadway. I saw it with Adam Pascal. He was amazing, and I kind—it of, kind of gets forgotten sometimes. And then I kind of was like, "Oh my God, I rediscovered it, and I love it all over again." Um, and people forget that Elton John actually has a Tony. He won a Tony for this musical. I mean, people were, at the time when Billy Elliot came out, they were like, "Oh my God, Elton John didn't win the Tony. he already won. Who cares? He's a brilliant man, and uh, Tim Rice is equally brilliant." Um, But this is a great show. Uh, Amelia, do you know this one?
1: Yeah, I actually, when it started, once it started with the lyrics, I was like, oh, Aida. And I was thinking, I've heard this before, but I haven't listened to it a ton, so I couldn't place it at first. Although the first few notes with the flute, I was like, is this a Jasmine show? Because this sounds kind of like the beginning of some Jasmine stuff. Sounds like the beginning of Perpetua, but um yeah, I, I have listened through Aida. Um it's I, I know a lot of people love it and I can see why. I mean there's a lot of really powerful emotion in those songs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they did their jobs in that uh I oh, no, just like There's the Jasmine bet. <laughs>
2: This is the story of a love that flourished in a time of hate. Of lovers
1: now. T-
0: okay, we're gonna move on to my next question.
1: Oh, yeah. Calm
0: down, lady. <laughs> Never let a chance go by, Hollis. Don't you see that here's your chance? How to stoke the fire is the problem in acquiring a patron. Every patron has a matron let her feel fulfilled trust me she'll be thrilled once she sees the house that i'm going to build and you'll get your guild
1: aunt Ava, uncle edward
0: allow me. this is roadshow not many people know this one so this was roadshow um which grew out of bounce which grew out of wise guys it's um stephen sondheim's most recent musical with uh john weidman which tells the story of the um uh, Wilson and Abby uh, uh, Meisner, uh, two kind of get-rich-quick kind of guys who ended up building Boca Raton and basically also ba- went bankrupt in the same time. And it's a, basically a, uh, a story of the dark side of, of American op- op- uh, uh, opportunism. The, so Stephen Tontime, obviously looking at the dark side of like fairy tales, looking at the dark side of American patriotism, looking at the dark side of everything, this is the dark side of where these guys were given every opportunity to do, to build themselves into something and make themselves into something great, something memorable and have a good legacy. And instead they ended up ruining everything. So it's really kind of an interesting show. I, I really love the show. And um, when the, 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 later in the song, it builds to a Stephen Sondheim-esque. Um, I can only assume, have you heard of this show, Amelia?
1: I have not. I actually just started making a list of shows that, <laughs> shows that you're talking about that I haven't listened to or haven't heard of because I'm always looking for new musicals to check out. And that's part of why I was so excited to do this episode with you. was like, I'm going to learn about a lot of cool shows tonight. Um, I, yeah, from the first beginning of the song, I was like, this sounds like Sondheim, but I didn't know it. So when was this written?
0: So it be, was be, um, He began writing it in '92, I think, yeah. in between everything. And um, it actually got on stage by Sam Mendez once. Then in DC, Hal Prince directed a version, um, which was not well received. And so Sondheim's been working on it and trying to get it together and fix it. And finally, in 2008, I think it finally went on the public theater. Um, officially this was the version that was completed and, and done um, if anyone's interested in Sondheim and his process there's two great books called um, Look I Made a Hat and uh, God I Made a Hat and they are annotated lyrics of his career Like, and it ta- he talks about the, the history of this, the, the history of this is amazing I had to cover this musical at some point on the show um, let me get to that. this a fun part hold on
2: Eddie's just Position will build a place where a brand new world can play.
0: Where have you paid my life? Don't go away. Yes, but this is a floating God's All right. And my last honorable mention, I swear this is the last one. Um, Again, this might be a musical I don't know if Amelia's heard of, so this will be interesting. Streets over, boy. Gonna find my treasure underground. This cavern's gonna be the biggest attraction in these parts. And this time, folks will pay me to tour her wonders. They'll be tearing up the mountain. They'll be camping in the snow. If I follow that sound, I could find what I'm looking for.
2: Could be glory calling, calling me. Calling, come on, boy, you can do it now.
0: You can have what you dream
2: on. Calling, and coming back. Coming.
0: So, this one is called Floyd Collins, the musical. It was written by uh, Tina Landau, who wrote the book, and Adam. Gettle. Now if you don't know who M Gettle is he wrote Light in the Piazza but even more importantly he is the son of Mary Rogers the composer who does come up on uh, uh, Amelia's list at one point and he is the grandson of Richard Rogers. This kid knows how, I mean kid, he's older than me um, but he knows what he's doing in terms of musicality and so this musical is about a, a guy who um he was going into the caves and trying to find diamond mines um, in the uh, in the frontier, and he found one. He found like his best um, crystalled diamond mine that he could ever find. You know, something out of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or like Th- Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Um, but the problem is, he then got he got um, um, trapped underneath there, and so they spent a long time trying to dig him out. It's it was it's basically like a twenty seven hours, um, and unfortunately, he did pass on and somehow adam gamble decided this was a musical and i love this musical and i think uh one of their song i think another song appears somewhere else on not this list but a different list so um amelia do you know the show at all
1: never heard of it um sounds interesting i'm definitely gonna have to give it a listen just from the sound, I can see why you like it because I know you like um, Big River and other shows with sort of that folk bluegrass style. But it sounds fun.
0: Uh, just hold up. There's, there's one there's one bit that's amazing. Hold on, let's see if I can find it. Oh, so what he's doing in the middle of it is he goes in the cave and he uses what they did is he uses his voice to shout into the cave and see how far it is. And so he overlaid his voice, and that's where music comes in. listen to that forever that that could put me to sleep that is
1: stunning okay this is definitely gonna be the next show i listen
0: to when i go out walking okay so um and actually there's some really good um like gospel kind of frontier hymn songs so i think you're, you're you're really gonna like it let me know what you think all right so now we're gonna get finally into the top 10 list here's uh, amelia's top uh number 10 um number uh musical Thank mm-hmm.
2: Terrytown folks are just waking a cricket still sound.
0: Okay, so this is Terrytown, written by uh, Adam uh, Watcher. I've never heard this musical before in my life. I've been listening well, to it. I was.
1: I was hoping there'd be a few on my list that you didn't know.
0: I love this so far. I'm. I love this, and I just looked out up the uh, what it's about. It's about Sleepy Hollow. I'm so excited to listen to this. This is my next. This is my next list. Yeah. Um, talk to me about this one, Amelia
1: so excited. I had thought, you know, it's a really intriguing show, and I had thought that this is one that you might enjoy. I couldn't remember if I would mentioned it to you before or not, but um, I was really intrigued. Um, so I will confess, I first listened to Town because um, Jeremy Jordan is in the studio cast recording, and I love Jeremy Jordan from Newsies and Finding Neverland and um, some of the other, he did Bonnie and Clyde. So, you know, well-known actor, um, one that I really love. And so I heard about this show that he was in, and I was like, what is Tarrytown? Um, So I looked it up. As Matt mentioned, it is a modern reinterpretation of the legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's, It's loosely sort of inspired by that story. I don't think it's a direct adaptation. Um, But what really drew me in is that it is a three-person show, and I don't know of any other three-person shows. I know of a couple two-person shows. Um, There's one on my list, and I have heard of some with a cast of like four or five actors, but three is very unusual for a musical, and I love shows that are really intimate stories and um you know I'm just really intrigued by musicals that have a small cast and a very intimate sort of story that they're telling because oftentimes when you think of musicals you think of big larger than life kind of stories like Les Mis like Hamilton like Phantom of the Opera like big emotions, big casts, big stories, but interesting to see, it's really interesting to me to see that form applied in to stories that take place on a very small scale. Um, and Tarrytown, it deals with a lot of things that you don't find in a lot of musicals. Um, the of my underrated thousand underrated songs is stories that you don't usually see on stage um and this Our musical it covers all sorts of topics that we just don't talk about that much on stage or in real life it covers addiction one of the main characters is a recovering drug addict and um they have they talk about miscarriage and to deteriorating Maybe relationships, I'm and um, there's I'm also LGBTQ, issues and um, all sorts of stories that are just not often told on stage are told here, and it's um, just, I think it's neat because, you know, it gives a voice to very the characters feel like ordinary people. Um, they're living, like, I won't say that their story is ordinary because it, it's based on a legend that, um, you know, it, it has kind of this dark turn that it takes toward the end. And one of, there's a song where Jeremy Jordan's character tells the story of. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and it's probably the scariest musical theater song that I've ever heard. It's so creepy. Um, but it, aside from that, like, the emphasis of the show isn't on the sort of spooky aspect of it. The emphasis is on the tragedy that can sometimes happen in um, real life. like. not even necessarily big tragedies, but just people trying to find connection and love and not being able to find that for whatever reason. And um, just people for whom happiness is just not attainable in their present circumstances. Um, And yeah, I'm sorry. I'm talking way too much. No, about you're fine. That, you're fine. I, you're fine. You
0: uh, sold like, me on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really like stories that are about, that feel like they're about real people. And this is really one of them. So definitely... Give, give a listen. It's an interesting show and, and the whole thing is on Spotify.
0: And we should also mention that the uh, cast album is recent, new that Jeremy uh, Jordan, Krista uh, uh, Rodriguez, who you, know, you should know from uh, The Adams Family and the Jonathan Larson Project and her colleague Andy uh, Menendez, um, that they recorded this studio cast recording uh, in 2020 to benefit the actors fund of COVID relief funds so if you do go if you do happen to still buy m- music online please do because it will support the actors who are currently out of work because of um uh COVID. so uh it's equally, equally important i'm so excited to listen to this i haven't listened to the whole thing yet i've listened to the first two tracks and i'm loving it although i haven't gotten to my third track um rule but we'll see um i can only imagine it's going to be amazing uh the fact that it's called my new gay best friend i'm excited <laughs> Okay, my number 10. I don't I really don't think you're going to know this musical, but if you do, I'll be very impressed. is called the cape man it is a musical um that's very it's quite interesting and um controversial so it was written by um mr paul simon who wrote the music and co-wrote the lyrics with david wolcott who is a uh, poet laureate and pulitzer prize winning uh, author It tells a story of uh, Salvador Algron. Now here's where the controversial bit happens. Salvador Algron was a kid who would come from Puerto Rico and um, lived in New York City in Hell's Kitchen and ended up getting caught in the gang life and actually um, was supposed to, with his cohort, the Umbrella Man, was supposed to go and rumble am using West Side Story terms, but Rumble with another gang. And instead, they ended up killing two innocent kids. And he ended up going to jail for that as a kid because they um, tried him as an adult, even though he was only like 15 or something. And the real thing that ended up happening was it was the first time that um, TV and news sensationalized murder. They basically named him the Cape Man, named... Uh, Uh, Tony Hernandez, the uh, Umbrella Man, and they basically put a camera in front of this kid and scrutinized him and made him snarl. And they made all of, they basically um, commercialized gang life and basically said it's all these hispanics who were coming into this country and it was a a very heated racial situation that was happening Uh, within the show he goes to jail and he gets kind of rehabilitated which did really happen he did start educating himself learning about things he uh started writing poetry and and all that kind of stuff unfortunately he died of a heart attack late you know very young he was like 40 something when he died um so this musical is recounting that entire show. This particular situation is the first time we see Salvadoric Robe in um, New York and seeing like this beautiful girl. And it's basically, he just wants to impress the girl. The interesting thing about this, um, about this that's playing right now, the lead vocal that you were listening to, is Mark Anthony, a young Mark Anthony was on stage playing this. This was not a success at all. It was hugely criticized, part of it because Paul Simon had very important or very, um, specific things that he said about the Broadway League and he pissed off the wrong people and uh, it was a very hot show because people were like oh you're glamorizing murderers but it's not about the murder it's actually the show itself is about redemption in the song we're listening to which is sat summer nights there's a line where he says um I believe I'm in the power of Saint Lazarus and it ends up being about redemption and how can you redeem someone even though he's murdered how does how can redemption happen and the entire show asks that question how does redemption happen and paul simon really wanted to do the anti greece the anti-american graffiti he said it's not it was not like that in the 50s these the happy days it was not like that at all if you lived in the streets and you lived in the city he wanted to do a musical about that and that's um that's basically what this musical is. I love this musical. Um, have you heard of this one?
1: Never heard of it. Sounds really interesting, though.
0: It's got a lot of interesting things. It, it's um, They play fast and loose with a lot of racial stuff and the fact that there's a whole song in the middle of it, which come I think it comes up later in one of my... Uh, lists or maybe in the next list but it's basically uh, You effed Up My Life which is sung to him by all of his gang members who basically like it was his fault even though he got in the show he gets um, kind of cornered into the whole thing so really interesting um, but and I thought you'd, you'd appreciate the fact that he does sing like you know I'm in the presence of St. Lazarus and he holds me inside kind of thing so yeah. oh here we go <laughs>
2: Mister Agro uh-huh, uh-huh. Senor Agro.
0: Sorry, what, what were you gonna say before?
1: I don't even remember, but oh, oh um, well, I was gonna say I love that we're finding out about these shows that are written about like historical events that people don't know a lot about. Um, or like, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about Floyd Collins. Um, so, the history—I won't say I'm a history enthusiast, but the um, the I am interested in history, and especially. Stories that focus on individuals um, that we don't know a lot about. So yeah, are you interested in this? I also am such a sucker for music of the '50s and '60s. So this yeah. is already yeah, I'm in.
0: There's a lot of it, in it and it, there's a lot of uh, uh, Spanish music too. Um, and what I was going to say is, I'm a student of American history, but I only like certain kinds of American history. I didn't like what they kind of pushed us pushed down in schools. I ended up. Loving what I loved, but um, all right, we're gonna go to Amelia's number nine. This one, actually, I have a very emotional connection with this one, and I'll tell you in a minute. So well, <laughs> This is Once Upon a Mattress. Um, This is Mary Rogers. This is Mary Rogers' big musical moment. Um, Amelia, talk to me about this one.
1: All right. So, um, Once Upon a Mattress is such a fun show. We've been talking about shows that deal with, you know, my number 10 is, like, domestic tragedy and horror, and and you've had a couple sad ones, too, but this show is just plain fun um it's a quirky retelling of the fairy tale of the princess and the pea um and it's in this version um the queen of this kingdom has made it law that no one in the kingdom is allowed to marry until her son finds a wife and she is determined to uh not approve of any princess who presents herself um so the knights of the kingdom are scouring the land and they bring back this princess who defies every princess stereotype out there she's independent, she's a tomboy, she's just very unconventional, and of course the prince falls head over heels for her, and she inspires him to start thinking for himself and standing up for himself, and together they, they kind of, um, sort of, they confront the queen's authority and just make life better for everybody. Um, so it's a really fun story, it's really uplifting, um, so why I love it? Once upon a mattress was the first musical. It was the first mainstream musical I was ever in. I'd done one musical before that, but it was by a, uh, like it was written by the husband of the director. And it was a full show, but like. It was not at all a mainstream show um and i was in like one scene and (laughs) in the ensemble so this once upon a mattress i think of as like my first real musical where i had uh i played the role of the wizard so i had a speaking role and even got to sing a little solo as the nightingale um so it holds a lot of special memories and even though like as a show it's it's not amazing but i think it is very good uh high school community theater material. Um, Honestly, I think all the community theaters and schools that are doing Shrek should do Once Upon a Mattress instead, because Once Upon a Mattress has, like, the same kind of idea, but Once Upon a Mattress did it first and did it better. Um, Because it has that same theme of, like, you know, the person who defies social conventions. Um, We should give them a chance and uh, embrace people's individuality and the things that make us different but Once Upon a Mattress has something really special that we need more of in musical theater which is strong female leads. The show has three of them and what I really love is that like they're all very different from one another um there's the princess whose name is Winifred but she goes by Fred um, that role was originally played by Carol Burnett, was a queen of comedy, and, uh, you know, she's very unconventional. She likes a lot of things that are not traditionally thought of as feminine, like wrestling and swamps, and uh, it, she's, like, definitely a prototype of Fiona. I'm pretty sure that um, Princess Fiona from Shrek was strongly influenced by Princess Winifred um, or Princess Fred. And she's just delightful. And then there's the queen who is, who Carol Burnett actually played in the 2005 uh, movie version of this, which is on Disney plus. So that must've been really fun for her to get to revisit this show in like the complete opposite role. Um, And you know, the queen is, Everything that you'd expect a fairy tale queen to be. She is poised, she's classy, she's refined, and she is the closest thing the show has to a villain. I wouldn't say she's evil, but she mm-hmm. is the main antagonist. Um, and then there's um, Lady Larkin, who is sort of your traditional fairy tale damsel, but she also has her moments of strength, and she is the one who's fighting for uh, everyone in the kingdom to stand up for the queen or stand up to the queen so that she can marry the man that she's in love with and get on with her life and i love that we have like such different types of femininity um and none of them are held up as like this is what you should be it's like There are different ways to be a woman, and they're all equally valid, and, like, Fred, even though she's very different from Larkin, never says, oh, you should be more like me. She's like, you should stand up for yourself and the things that you want, but it's okay that those are different from what I want, and and Fred, even though she's unconventional and, like, independent wants to get married, and she wants to be loved. She has a whole song about how she wants her fairy tale ending and her happily ever after, and I, I just like that, like, the sort of message I get from the show is that there's all types of ways to be. Loved. There are different ways to be, and like, no matter who you are, um, everyone deserves love, and everyone deserves to be free to be themselves. Um, which, again, is like the message of Shrek, but this show did it first. <laughs> so, anyway, um, that that's all I have to say about that
0: for no, now. No, it's it's it's. What's uh, uh, your it's,
1: relationship to so this show? I'm I'm curious.
0: It's very true. So when I was in middle school, this was the show we did when I was um, in eighth grade, um, my graduation year. Um, I didn't get to play any lead role. I played Sir Luce like the fourth night in in the door. But I will say, And I don't know how the director did this, but the director decided she was going to cut a bunch of scenes just to make room for the music numbers. But in doing so, she realized that there were a couple of moments that were missing. So instead of putting them back in, she wanted to consolidate them and she was not a writer. So she actually asked myself and three others to sit in a room and rewrite to get us from A to B, and it was the first time I ever um, um, sat in a room with other people and wrote a show from uh, even if it was just this little scene, I can't remember what the scene was, but I rewrote it. I did most of the heavy lifting, but they added some jokes and some things and then we actually wrote this whole bit in. So it was the first time I really had anything like that, but I wasn't looking to do it. I at that time I was just enjoying it. It wasn't until high school that I realized I wanted to write it, but I did kind of get the bug there. So, um, so that was that it was, it was also the first time, I think it was the first time I had, I was with, my first girlfriend and we were in the show together. We actually played love interest together. So that was, so it's, it's kind of a fun uh, way in that um, the show is kind of a mess. It's kind of not a, not a great show, but it's, has funny moments has great moments and it was the star making vehicle for Carol Badette. So it's mostly remembered for that. Um, but it's, a, it's a solid show. I, I think I agree with you. Shrek can go away and this show can take its place all right so my number uh nine we're coming on to number nine here global warming is upon us the earth is in crisis it is a time in need of heroes especially in one particular horrible way
2: there's a place between heaven and hell Don't need a map,
0: just follow the smell So I think Amelia knows what this is. This is The Tarsic Avenger, the musical. This was written by Joe uh, DePerry and David Bryan. Now if you know those names, they're uh, the writers of Memphis, they're the writers of the forthcoming diana musical that i think is going to netflix which i've heard songs when it. it's really good but david bryant himself is the keyboardist of bon jovi there you go um i love this this is just a fun fun musical it's a funny musical it's got rock music it's got pretty much everything in the show um and it's based on the movie, The Toxic Avenger, which is basically basically a kid gets thrown into a toxic pit by the town bullies. And instead of dying, he actually comes up as a hero and he's a uh, superhero. Um, and it just so happens that he's, his face is all mishmambled and all that stuff. Now, his love interest is a blind girl. So the blind girl thinks that the smell is because, he, because he's French i swear to god that's what the show says
1: i'm sorry what
0: she said she has a whole song called my 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 french boyfriend and the reason is because she believes the smell is like you know gray air cheese or whatever or something
1: (laughs) i mean that would be ridiculous but apparently there is a cheese that is illegal in what you're not allowed to take it on public transportation in france because it is that smelly i learned this from the great british baking show
0: yeah so this first song is called who will save new jersey so it takes place in new jersey so they do all kinds of jersey jokes or whatever
2: um
0: That's, a uh, Toxic Avenger. I don't know, do you know the show at all?
1: So, I've heard of it. Once you started playing it, I was thinking, like, oh, it's that show, and I, like, I looked it up at that point. I, At some point, I couldn't remember the title. I was trying to remember it. Um, I feel like there's this whole genre of musicals that are based on really bad movies and, like, spoofing them. Like, there's this, there's Reefer Madness, there's, um, Bat Boy that- or Bat Boy's not based on a movie, but I feel like it's in that genre. Um, there's, like, a bunch of these musicals that are based on B-movies and just, like, take the absurd plot elements and ratchet it up to 50. Um, like, I- I haven't actually heard it, but It sounds fun. It sounds like a lot of other shows I've listened to that are based on 80s movies, and those are usually a good time.
0: Yeah, um, Evil Dead is one. Even The Little Shop of Horrors is kind of in that B. B,
1: Oh, yes. Very much. Like, that was the vibe I was getting.
0: (laughs) And let's put it this way. There's a song in here that's playing right now that's basically when he um, beats up the bullies that almost killed him, (laughs) and it's literally a song called Kick Your Ass. That's what we're dealing with. Okay. Uh, we're going on to, uh, I am, I've am. i been so excited for this one. I'm really happy you have this on your uh, list. It's true. The crown has made it clear. The climate must be perfect all the year. A law was made a distant moon ago here. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here in Camelot. The winter is forbidden till December. Camelot, this is a lost, lost musical. Um, it's remembered mostly because of its affection by um, the Kennedys, you know, um, uh, John F. Kennedy and his wife. Um, but it is a forgotten musical, and I love... The songs I I this may be heresy. I love Camelot more than My Fair Lady. I'm just gonna say it.
1: Julie Andrews said the same thing. Actually, I, I read in um, I think it was a book about the creation of this show, or or not a book, but something that talked about the creation of Camelot. Um, she said the same, so I don't think it can be heresy if she said it
0: i think it's a better written show i think it's a much better written show uh talk to me about uh camelot and what your uh why it's on your list
1: um well why it's on my list is my husband (laughs) um he and i my parents had introduced me to this show originally and then um i think it was just in a collection of musicals that i gave husband to listen to when he was starting to get interested in musical theater and he fell in love with it and so i was thinking about what shows are underrated or like forgotten treasures and i had made my list and then i was like wait camelot's not on the list gotta go rewrite it um because camelot has a gorgeous score um so it is based on the the once and future king by th white which is also the basis for um Disney movie The Sword and the Stone covers sort of the earlier part of the story um, but Camelot focuses on King Arthur's adult life and the love triangle or some sort of weird shape between Arthur, his wife Guinevere and uh, Lancelot who's one of the knights of the round table um, and it uh, so Camelot covers some other parts of the King Arthur legend, but it really centers on the relationships between Arthur and Guinevere and Lancelot and the ways that those relationships um, start to fall apart and eventually lead to the downfall of Camelot. Um, It's like, from that summary, it it sounds like kind of a downer show, and in some ways it is. Um, I actually got to see it I feel like this show is so rarely produced, but back in, I think 2016 or maybe 2000, no, it was before that, it was while I was in college. So it was like 2013 or 14. um, My husband, well, at the time, boyfriend, Kenny and I got to see a production of Camelot at the American Repertory Theater. And I wasn't ART, what am I saying? new repertory theater there are too many repertory theaters that have repertory theater in their title um but new rep um was it new rep anyway we got to see a production of camelot and it was wonderful um i'm gonna sound really stupid if i get the name of the theater company wrong but
0: okay they're not advertisers
1: (laughs) well we got to see it and It's a long show, like, I think the reason that people don't do it very often is that there is, it is a book musical um, where a lot of important action happens outside of the songs, Um, but the songs are really gorgeous. The score is just exquisite and um, there's so much, like, there's a lot of variation in the score. Um, And even just listening to the score, you get a very strong sense of who the characters are, they all have a very distinct musical style. And you also get a strong sense of their journeys, like you see Arthur go from this um, kind of awkward, hesitant, not really sure if he's ready for the responsibility, um, king to Someone who is ready to lead with compassion and humility, um, and progress into you know this other side of him where he is really heartbroken over the loss of his wife's love, but also the the fact that that means he has to go to war with Lancelot, who he's come to really love and trust. Um, you get a sense of his tragic arc. You see Guinevere grow from this really kind of flighty, kind of immature young girl to a much more mature woman who, um, you know, has these really difficult feelings that she's wrestling with and um, a deep understanding of the tragedy that she's caught in. Um, and I don't know, it's just it's really lovely show. I love the way the characters' journeys are portrayed, and um, and I love Julie Andrews. I am such a sucker for anything that she's done, and, like, she just, she brings such a, she just, her portrayal of Guinevere is so multifaceted. I mean, she has the lightness and the playfulness and the there's this delightful number called uh, then you may take me to the fair where she's flirting with the different knights and then like later on she has a song that she sings to Lancelot where she's saying like I need distance I like I think he goes away from the court and she's like I need to deal with these feelings because I know that they're not right and it's like she's a completely different person um fun fact that song before I gaze at you again was added to the show I think it was written like the day before the show opened on Broadway and they were like hey Julie we're working on this new song that I think Like, we really want to add in to the end of Act One. And, you know, it's a solo for you. And we don't have it written yet. And she's like, that's all right. Just get it to be by noon and I'll have it ready for tonight. And she, like, learned it the day that the show opened and and performed it in front of a packed house for the first time on opening night. And, of course, she slayed it because she's Julie Andrews. Um, so yeah, love Camelot. Beautiful show.
0: <laughs> my favorite part of Camelot is the end. Spoiler alert: with the little boy, or with the the, the boy yes. who runs from kingdom to kingdom to talk about um, Hamilton. Yeah. Um, for some reason, that always gets me. You know that he's going to run from kingdom to kingdom and basically tell everyone about about Camelot. So that I'm, is my favorite part. That's
1: fair that is- because it. Um, you know, it, it gives, it brings some hope and some redemption to this yeah. show that like, yeah, Arthur's legacy in the kingdom, the, the legacy it's, he worked so hard to build is not going to completely yeah. crumble. I, and
0: I think, the, I think the reason I like it is because of the whole, because um, we're both writers, the whole writer thing that these stories continue on and continue on and you, you know they're never gone so it's one of those kinds of um, situations okay my number eight coming at you um amelia's gonna like this one
2: i've discovered the secret of happiness is not to run too fast i've discovered the secret of happiness is Not to mourn the past
0: All right, this is from Daddy Long Legs. This is one of those musicals that Amelia and I have talked about forever. Um, this was by the same team that did Jane Eyre, uh, Paul Gordon, who wrote the music and lyrics, and John Caird, who wrote the book, and also directed the first versions. And this is one of those musicals that Amelia was talking about, two people. It's just two people, and the strangest thing about this musical is that it is told by two people who do not meet. Um, it's kind of a long story of how it happens, but basically, it's two people who do never who never meet. They do eventually meet in between, but it's in my mind this is such a hard musical to write because it's basically an orphan taken to be educated and she is to write her benefactor but he will never send a letter back and so it's a one-sided relationship where she is writing her benefactor um and the benefactor isn't writing back but he is enthralled by the fact that she is soaking up education and loving this opportunity and eventually develops Feelings for her and him for him and uh, her for him, and it's a love story, but told through letters and told through writing, which is one of those things I can't believe this exists as a musical because it doesn't make sense in my head to to work, and there's a couple problematic situations in the original text and what what it's based on, but it's amazing to me that this happens and it's got some of the most beautiful music. And not only beautiful music, but it's so, um, um, it's such a chamber musical. It's so intimate. It's so, you know, two people sitting in a room, doing the dialogue, then going into songs and harmonizing with each other. I mean, that was the secret of happiness. The other song that is probably what more well known too is the color of your eyes and these are just brilliant songs that like you wonder how does this work and so i think it's a i think it's also a trick and a challenge for writers that at some point in your life if you're writing a show write it with just two people give them an ob, a, a, um a, a a purpose give them something that they need to get give them an objective and put them in the room, even if they're not currently in the same, put them on stage together. This is a great exercise for all writers to do. And sometimes it comes out really great like this. And sometimes it comes out really not great, but this is that the version of that. It's really good. Um, I don't think I have, I don't think it's a secret Amelia, cause I already kind of spoiled it. You love this musical just as much as I do, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to remember if this is, I think this is number three on my list um i yeah i adore this show and for all the reasons you said i think it's brilliantly written um i love the intimacy of the story and there's an innocence to it that um you know I, i feel like a lot of modern writers are afraid to write stories that don't have some darker edge um and this one really doesn't it deals with some really real and complicated emotional situations but it's very sweet it's very wholesome and uh just really lovely i want to see like i'm surprised that more people are not doing this show right now because it has only two actors you could do it with a couple who are in uh you know who are already living together and just do the show like they could rehearse together and interact with one another and you could live stream it like I think that I heard of one theater company that's doing that I don't know why every theater company is not doing that because like this is the perfect show to be doing right now um hint hint anybody want to cast me and my husband in this show we are down um so yeah like it's such a great show and I'm hoping as we start to get back into doing live theater, I'm, you know, I'm predicting that we're going to see more productions of small cast shows and I'm really hoping that this is one that we get to see more of because it's a great show.
0: Yep, and I will, and spoiler alert, I have a uh, film version in my head.
1: Of course you do. Of
0: course I do. Um, Alright, Amelia's number seven coming at you uh here we go it's a commercial it should not be that So if people don't know, this is She Loves Me. I just looked at the thing because I I know this to a certain extent. Um, Sheldon Harnick, Jerry Bach wrote the score. Um, the man who wrote Cabaret, the book of Cabaret, wrote the book of this. It's basically taking place in Budapest, and it's basically you've got mail. Um, a couple... At odds, fight and argue, but they are actually pen pals, and they fall in love, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I will say, and I will be honest: this is only musical I think on your list that I do not like.
1: Here, yep.
0: Um, talk to me about this one.
1: Well, um, I really. So I think it's funny that we're talking about this right after Daddy Long Legs because it has kind of the same concept of a couple who are corresponding and and getting to know one another through letters and actually do know each other in real life but have a very different kind of relationship in real life. Um, So I think it's a really fun show. Um, I will admit I probably have like fond associations with it because when I was... Um, starting to take voice lessons in high school, Vanilla Ice Cream was one of the first songs that my voice teacher assigned to me, and I used that as an audition piece for years, and it's, like, obviously now I know that it's really overdone, and I should expand my repertoire, but it's a really fun song, and it's a fun show. It's, um, I, it's fun, and like I was saying with Terrytown, it's about real people. Um, well, more or less. They're a little bit sitcom because it was written in the 60s and nothing that was on Broadway in the 60s was actually about realistic, real people. But um that's a huge generalization and probably not fair. But oh,
0: it's true. It's totally true. It,
1: yeah, it's like, it's the time that it was written. Um, and it is very much a musical comedy. Um, but it's, a really fun look at relationships. It's got some very fun songs. It's got some very pretty songs. I mean, all of Amalia's solos are very beautiful. Um, Laura Benanti played Amalia in the 2016 Broadway revival, and I, I think she's delightful. Um, yeah. And honestly, the song that always gets me every single time is um, 12 Days to Christmas, which is, toward the end of the show, all the, so the, the main characters work in this little boutique, and um, there's a song that's, like, structurally inspired by the, the carol, The Twelve Days of Christmas. But instead, it's a bunch of people doing their Christmas shopping, going, 12 days to Christmas, 12 days to Christmas, plenty of time to do our Christmas shopping. And they, like, as they count down, they're like, nine days to Christmas, four days to Christmas, one day to Christmas. And they're like, it's the same group of actors, but they're, like, switching hats and coats, pretending to be different people, and they're getting, like, more and more frantic. And I remember actually seeing a production of this at um, my alma mater, Gordon College, a couple of years ago. They did this show and I went to see it with my husband. And this was like my first winter after spending several years working in retail. And I um, sort of started to hyperventilate a little bit during that song because I was like, oh my gosh, this is scary accurate. Um, So if you've ever worked in retail or any sort of customer service job, you will probably find something to relate to in Chile.
0: yeah i'll definitely uh i'll definitely agree with that all right my number seven i think this one is going to surprise you i will make that uh um determination right now okay oh familiars. There we years in the middle of the world we float in the middle of the sea the allergies remain remote in the middle of the sea. Kings are burning somewhere. Wheels are turning somewhere. Trains are being run. Wars are being won. Things are being done somewhere out
2: there, not here. Here we paint screens.
0: Yes, the arrangement of the screens. Alright, so this is the this is um, Pacific Overtures, uh, another Stephen Sondheim and uh, John Weidman musical. This musical, this is the opening of the musical, uh, The Advantages of Floating in the Middle of the Sea. It is basically what happened, it's the dark side of imperialism. Basically what happens in this musical is that you have a very, um, you know, samurais and what have you in the middle of Japan, and the idea is that all of a sudden, they see these four large dragons coming out of the ocean, and they are scared to death. And what it ends up being is it's four warships from America, and it's Admiral Perry trying to open up trade with Japan. Now, here's the interesting part. The first act deals with the initial Matthew Perry. Like, you know... Foreigners cannot stand step on sacred land. This is sacred land in Japan at the time. They feel they they, they, foreigners can't do it. So what ends up happening is someone gets the idea of building a pier and a treaty house. And basically, they, they run a wooden plank down to the treaty house and build the treaty house up on sticks so that they are not actually touching sacred soil and they hear out the trade ideas and such and the idea is that they basically just say sure sure whatever you want and common apparent leaves and they think okay that's fine we've seen america we don't need we don't need this to happen again but what happens is other countries find out that America is now trading with Japan. And so Britain comes knocking, uh, Germany comes knocking, uh, uh, all the countries start coming knocking, and they have to receive them. And slowly but surely, Japan becomes more modernized and more invo- evolved into less about samurai and more about of hats and living living on uh, living on the hill, and so at the very end of the show, it has taken the the imperialism has taken over, and Japan has decided they are going to now go out into the world and do the same thing that America did for them. Here's the kicker: it is assumed, and it was it's also kind of implied that this ultimately led to. Japan becoming a, a very high empire, and also causing them to have even um, gone into World War II on the side of um, Germany, and then obviously the um, Hiroshima bomb. There's a lot of dark stuff in it, and it's really interesting how they how it's weaved within this. And I mean, you can hear it in the first song that it's very much in the style of Japanese music and Japanese culture and it, it keeps going like that until the very end where the song is next and it's basically saying all right what are we going to do next here's the next thing we're always thriving we're always growing and it's quite interesting uh, it shows the dark side of American imperialism if America hadn't opened Japan to um, trade then there's a likelihood they would have never gotten into World War II and we never would have had problems you know so It's quite interesting. Um, Do you know the show at all, maybe?
1: I've heard the title, but I haven't ever listened to it, um, and I didn't know what it was about. It sounds sad, but very interesting. Um, I'm adding it to the list. I'm keeping a running list of shows that you have mentioned here that I haven't heard of or haven't listened to.
0: There's a really good song in the middle called uh, Chrysanthemum Tea where they're still trying to figure out how to receive the letter, and it's basically... (laughs) It's it's in a the line. The, sh- you, the shogun's supposed to receive the uh, American the Commodore Perry, but the, uh, the shogun's mother keeps kind of pestering him and saying, uh, uh, "Are you going to receive the letter or whatever?" And the shogun keeps like ignoring him. And what the mother is actually doing is poisoning the shogun because her belief is, if if um, there is no shogun to receive it, then they have to leave. <laughs> it's crazy what happens but it's so i know it is a lot of darkness in this but um okay but we're gonna go from a really dark show to a really uh, it's not too um, i was gonna say light but in terms of in terms of music a little bit of a lighter show (laughs) If it plays. Right now it's playing a commercial for Red Robin.
1: <laughs> I would say it definitely starts out sounding very happy. They yeah. they trick you in with this happy sounding music and then it gets really uh, intense. There is too. an
2: island where rivers run deep. Where the sea, sparkling in the sun, earns it the name Jewel of the Antilles of peasants labor and the wealthiest of grand old play two different worlds on one island the grand old with their pale brown skins and their french ways owners of the land and masters of their own faith and the peasants black as night eternally at the best.
0: All right, so if you haven't figured it out, we're listening to Once on This Island, which was written by Lynn Barons and uh, Stephen Flaherty. The only thing I can say is about this is this music is probably their best score. I love this score. And I love when I've heard Stephen Flaherty explain how they came with the score. This is one that I am so surprised. I mean, I know what your number one, two, and three are, but I'm really surprised that this is not higher because I love this particular musical uh talk to me about this one
1: well this musical is quickly working its way up ranks of my favorites um the only reason it's not higher is because i didn't actually listen to the whole thing until i was in college um so this was one of the shows that when i was growing up All my theater friends, all my theater kid friends had done this show at some point at their school, at their community theater. It's not really obscure, I feel like it is pretty well known. Um, I never got an opportunity to, I still haven't seen it, I really want to. Um, I finally listened to it in college
2: because,
1: so here's one of my quirks, when I hear about something a lot, I'm like, it can't be that good and uh, I'm suspicious of things that are popular. This show deserves all of its popularity and more. It's so good, and I agree with you. I've listened to a few other things that Aaron's and Clarity have worked on, and this is definitely their best in terms of, like, the score just having a very cohesive feel to it. it has a really fun sound.
2: um,
1: And I was shocked when I listened to it for the first time and heard all of these beautiful voices. I thought, and just from the, the narration that we heard at the beginning, I was like, wait a minute. All the kids that I knew growing up, growing up, in this show are white. How are they in this show when there are literally no white characters in this show and they talk about being black, brown, and race is like actually a big part of the show. So I think that's probably why we haven't seen as many productions of it recently is that people are realizing this is one of the shows that people are realizing like "Hmm, maybe my very white school or my community theater in this very white town, maybe we shouldn't do this show. Maybe this is not a show for us. But it's one that um, I'm really hoping to see get more attention on professional scales. Um, I know there was a Broadway revival in 2017, which actually won the Tony Award for Best Revival in 2018, and there's apparently a film adaptation in the works, um, which I'm very excited about because a beautiful story, um, it's a sad story. It's the granddaughter. So, Um, It's based on a novel called My Love, My Love, which is in turn based on The Little Mermaid, Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid, not Disney's happy version, but um, it has, it follows the structure of that story, Um, which if you've ever read it, know that it is very bittersweet. best. And it's, um, of course, in this show, the the young woman is not a mermaid. She's a human girl um, from the peasant community on this island who uh, falls in love with a uh, young, upper-class men. um They have a tragic romance. Um, but it's... It's a beautiful story, it's a beautiful star. um, I mean, you can hear the calypso influences, and it's just, every time I listen to it, you, you just get drawn into the world of the story, and it's such a beautiful journey. Um, like, you really feel like you're on this quest, um, journeying through this fairy tale, and, like, you are on the island.
2: Experiencing
1: all of this with the characters as you listen music—it's just so good. And there's so many new, like, harmonies and rhythms and uh, melodies that get brought back with a new meaning. It's just uh, it's so good. I love this show.
0: I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. And uh, for those who have uh, Disney Plus, it is coming. It, the film is being made for Disney Plus streaming service. So I'm equally excited to see that. That'll be so exciting. Um, All right, we're gonna go to my number six. Um, Again, I don't know if Amelia knows this one. This is a relatively, this is the the newest one on my list, I will say.
2: I could start with how I should have known better and it was way too late before I understood but today, what I most need to say is that I know I've been a nut job, but I love you more than any other nut job. But let me drive you crazy for the rest of your life.
0: So what we're listening to right now is, spoiler alert, it is actually the finale to Honeymoon in Vegas. Yep, never heard of it. Music and Lyrics by Jason Robert Brown, book by uh, Andrew Bergman. So it's based on a movie that Nicolas Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker were in. Basically, this couple goes to Vegas to get married. The man has a little, little bit of a cold feet. In Vegas is a gangster who has lost his his, uh, his love, and he sees Sarah Jessica Parker and is instantly in love and uses his influence to basically try to get Nicolas Cage out of the way and take Sarah Jessica Barker for for herself. This was labeled as a musical comedy, and it is a musical comedy. They make fun of everything, they do jokes, they do everything. And Jason R. Brown, who you know from Last Five Years, Parade, Bridges of Madison County, this is really the only musical on his list that is a comedy. It's pure comedy. Huh? Have a
1: honeymoon in Vegas, we'll just stay up all night. Have a honeymoon in Vegas, and I won't leave your sight. And we can walk down the strip as bride and groom and hang the man aside at a hotel room. a honeymoon in Vegas. Have a honeymoon in Vegas. Teach the card games.
0: Figuring out i got you anyway so it goes on and i'm not gonna but um yeah it's a brand new musical let's put it this way this was hailed by stephen sondheim as saying this is one of the last great musicals to have ever been on broadway and unfortunately it was not a big hit it was not a big hit it wasn't it didn't get the press it should have gotten um funny enough the one of the characters in the show was played by Tony Danza from Taxi, from uh, Taxi and uh, uh, Who's the Boss. He was singing. He actually sung, and he actually is not bad. Um, but this is a great. I love this musical. It's one of my favorites of recent, and I'm so sad I haven't seen it yet. And dream role. I'd love to play either the fellow who was singing here or the Tony Danza part. I don't know if I could pull off a gangster, but you know, I've done weirder things. Um, So you don't know this one at all?
1: I've never heard of it. But on the list. (laughs) Yep.
0: All right, here we go.
2: There's a war going on out there somewhere and Andre. Somewhere, and Andre is in tears. There's a war going on out there somewhere,
0: and Andre is in tears. All right, so this is the great Natasha Pierre and the great comet of 1812, David Mallory's. Masterpiece I love this show I love the score Um, And I love the fact that we have um, um, Josh Groban in the lead Um, Talk to me about this one
1: I've listened through to really fall in love with this show because it is so quirky. It breaks like all the musical theater rules. And that's one of the reasons why I love it. Um, it betrays, so it's based on a segment of War and Peace. Um, this is a show that I listened to because a classmate in college was doing a song from it for a, a musical theater class. Um, So I listened to it, I got Kenny to listen to it, my husband now, and um, while it was, so when the show originally premiered off-Broadway in a a custom-built venue, because the style of the staging is so unconventional, it's an immersive musical, okay? There are not that many shows, there There have been immersive stagings of a few musicals, but it's difficult to do. And, like, there's a reason you don't see a lot of immersive musicals. And this is the first one that I know of that was written to be staged in an immersive style. So you go into the show, and they, they say in the opening number, you are at the opera. Like, you are at—it's it, supposed to be when like you walking into a Russian nightclub, and you're right there with the characters, and they're, like, coming up and sitting down at your table and confiding—they have all these asides to the audience, where, like, you're not just a spectator, and you're not just in the character's world, you are the character's confidant. Like, the audience is the person—the characters will I would say break the fourth wall, but there are no
2: walls.
0: Oh, you're you're muddled a little bit. You're muddled a little bit. I'm sorry.
1: Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So, see, it has that sense of intimacy that I love from some of the other shows that we've talked about, and this one takes it... another level because the characters are like turning to the audience and telling them how they feel about the scenes and the characters that are going on around them. Um, it's, so, the show premiered off-Broadway in a custom-built venue and then, um, was developed at uh, the American Repertory Theater staged a production of it that eventually moved to Broadway. Penny and I got to see that production at ART. before. Ever since then, we have been obsessed. Because it's it's just so genre-defying. I mean, it it has this self-aware humor, like in the opening number that we're listening to they say it's a complicated russian novel everyone's got nine different names so look it up in your program and the actors will like actually come up to you and show you like there's a family tree that describes how all the characters are related to one another and they'll like point to it and be like make sure you're paying attention this is who i'm playing and yeah it's super fun um and and sad like the story itself Similar to Camelot, it involves um, relationships that ultimately don't work out and leave people very hurt, Um, and it deals very honestly with that. Um, There's just, there's a lot of emotional vulnerability in the show, which I really like, and um, it's it's a beautiful show. It's very, very strange.
0: And we should also... We should also say that the woman who would go on to direct hadestown was the one who helped develop and create this environmental thing so you can see where her um, theatrical theatricality lies that she does not feel like she has to limit herself to just a, a you know theater that she has i mean if you've seen hadestown staging and how it's done it's innovative to say the least um yeah great choice great choice i agree with you 100% all right we're going to go to number 5 on my list again i don't think you're going to know this one but let's um find out i So this is from, um, so this is For the Glory, which is the finale of the musical, The Civil War. This is written by Frank Wildhorn and Jack uh, Wagner with a book by Frank Wildhorn and Gregory Boyd. This musical is quite fascinating. This musical has no plot. There is no structure. There is... It's basically can be done as a concert version of the show, as an oratorio, but it's basically a musical about the Civil War told by both sides, gray and blue, and also told by the women who lost people or brothers who lost people, um, and also slaves and people of color who had to ordeal, had to be put through that ordeal as slaves and trying to get to be free and also uh, historical figures like abraham lincoln and uh, frederick Douglass all take part in the show it is a hybrid of a show i unfortunately have seen clips of the original version and it was a mess the musical whoever staged it it did a terrible job of it but frank Wadhorn did his research he actually went to civil war um battlefields walk the battlefields and the music can you can feel the emotionality of of all that and um i love this musical because when i was a kid my mom would take me to civil war battlegrounds i was i was 13 walking on the battlefield of gettysburg and learning about that learning about what happened and what it meant to to do it and it's always been in the back of my mind Um, all this time, and it was like the first history I ever learned that I actually really cared about and was fascinated by. So anything Civil War, I've always been fascinated by and always um, loved. And as you can hear in the background, this music is gorgeous. It is absolutely beautiful. My mother got to see this down in Gettysburg. They did a production there, so she got to actually see it. And she saw it when they um, uh, re-renovated Ford's Theater and they renamed it for the glory and they did it in honor of abraham lincoln's uh amount birthday whatever um so this is a really good musical there's an album out there that's the complete works which has um recording artists covering the songs so it's really worth um, a listen um i can only assume you probably have you heard of this musical
1: i have not i feel like i i might have heard that it existed i haven't heard any of it
0: Actually, I think you have heard it, but you just didn't realize it. When we get to our our song list, uh, one of the songs I think I actually played for in one of my auditions that you were sitting in in on uh, for Still Small, if I'm if I remember correctly. But we'll we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so the Civil War again. It's a weird musical. All right, coming up to Amelia's number four, ladies and gentlemen, uh, number four. Uh, after this commercial about Peacock. so this is um tell me how to say this i am gonna get it wrong
1: this is amelie amelie um, um,
0: okay
1: my name but in french <laughs> it is uh, based on the 2001 french film of the same name um and that is philippa sue in the title role better known as eliza in hamilton in the original cast um Fun fact, she was also the original Natasha in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. So I I love Philippa Sue. So pretty much anything that um, Amelie was the show that she left Hamilton to do. So uh, anything that she's in, I will give it a chance
0: um i know very little about this musical but i like what i've heard of it um i actually do have the soundtrack i just haven't had a chance to listen to it fully but i love this song that's playing right now so um just talk to me about why you uh why this is on your list
1: i I love this song too i think this is the one that really drew me into the show um it's, it's a very quirky show um so if you're not familiar with the movie which i wasn't Really, I, I sort of knew of it. I had seen a few scenes, but I hadn't I still haven't seen the whole thing. Um, it's about a young woman named Amelie Poulin. Um, and she's a fairly ordinary young woman. Um she has she's very introverted, she has kind of a quirky personality, but she has a very big heart and really just wants to make People happy, and she um, kind of makes it her mission to become like a fairy godmother. And try to do, try to do randoms of kindness, but they're not really random. Uh, she is, she's getting to know. She will like try to pinpoint very specific needs that she sees people have, and try to find very creative ways of filling those needs. Um, but she really struggles to find her own uh, happily ever after. And um, the show has kind of a Cinderella. It's, it's kind of like a spin on the Cinderella story. Like Amelie casts herself in the fairy godmother role, but then she ends up being the one who is um, both pursuing and being pursued by this equally quirky young man and uh, trying to, you know, figure out if she's able to have her own happily ever after after trying to find help so many people find theirs. Um, it's so it's really sweet and uh, quirky and just a it's a fun show. Um, and the fact that it has this fairy tale sort of fairy tale esque plot, but is very much grounded in the real world like there's no magical elements. It's just about ordinary people who are waiters and retail workers and um widowers and just people living normal lives um it kind of it gives me hope that like maybe there's a little magic in store for all of us ordinary folks just muddling through our
0: yeah, it's a it's a fun musical from what I've heard and I've heard some other songs and I, I really like it. So I need to delve deep into this one. So thank you so much for sharing this one, this one. Definitely will,
1: listen on to both list. the Broadway and the London productions. Cause the the UK production is like almost a completely different show. And they both <laughs> like, there's definitely similarities um, but then they have, it has a very different feel. And I'd be interested to know which one you prefer
0: i will listen to it because i obviously talked to uh our friend jackie about my preferences of Hades Town. so i will always have opinions about things okay my number four um amelia's gonna be excited it's <laughs> seven
1: o'clock in the
2: morning i lift my eyes to autumn skies i look
0: so we're not gonna to talk too much about this one only because, um, spoiler alert, it's gonna appear on Amelia's list at some point. But also, we already t- uh, did a whole episode of um, Jane Eyre. Um, love this musical, love this song, and this is a great I want so- uh, song for for her. And I mean, Maria Schaffer just hits it out of the park, especially at the very, very end um, when she goes up the, the octave. So. Um, love jane eyre i will always love jane eyre um and the only reason it's not higher on the list is because the next three are i love them just as much all right let's go to amelia's number three we're in our top three ladies and gentlemen the moon doesn't Nope. <laughs>
1: Monday of every month, every floor scrubbed, every chair dusted, a perfectly awful day, every bed without a wrinkle, every hair combed on 97 orphans, poor Jerusha
2: Abbott.
0: So this is Daddy Long Legs. This is the opening number to Daddy Long Legs. I didn't mention before that um, if anyone has uh, Broadway HD or is able to get that uh, streaming service, it is actually available to watch on Broadway HD, and it's worth it. It is so worth it. Um, Amelia, you kind of talked about Daddy Long Legs, but, you know, add to it if you'd like.
1: I don't. Well... I'm afraid if I add to it, I will just blah, 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 way too much because I, I love this show. Um, I'm trying to think what I can say that we haven't already said. Um,
0: we need to do an episode just about this one.
1: We really do. There's so much that you could say. Um, I guess the other thing that I like about it, you were talking about how unusual it is to have a musical based on a book, which I've actually managed to find a copy of the book at a thrift store and read it and um the book you really only get Jerusha's letters except for the very very beginning it's all from her perspective but the musical does a really nice job of also showing us um the man's perspective and kind of giving you an insight into his side of things um I also love the personality that we get from Jerusha at the beginning of, like, from this opening number, she's narrating, like, this, um, you know, her own experience, and she, like, takes on the persona of different kids at the orphanage, and the orphanage matron as she's talking about how all this came to be, and from the very beginning, you get a very strong sense of who this person is and she's a dynamic personality she's got spunk and yeah from the first first song you don't often see a solo as an opening number but i think a really good one
0: so all right my number three again another musical that i don't know if amelia knows So as we were talking before about my love of history, this is pure history. This musical is called Parade. It is a musical by, it was the very first musical written by Jason Robert Brown for Broadway, uh, booked by Alfred Urey and directed by Hal Prince. This is a fascinating musical and I love this musical to the nth degree. It tells the story of Leo Frank, who was wrongfully accused of raping and killing a little girl in segregated uh, Georgia, Atlanta. Um, and segregated, I mean, they, there was still racial problems going on. He was a Jew and there was a lot of problems that and a lot of uh, anti-Semitism that happened with that too. And it actually, weirdly enough, the evidence all points to the fact that it was actually a runaway, um, a homeless black man who could have, who actually did it. But Leo Frank was um, wrongfully prisoned. And it ends up being about how his wife fights to get him at least taken off of um, uh, his death sentence and uh, 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 put in prison for life and slowly but surely get him released. Um, unfortunately, um, an angry mob, and this is where modern society comes into play. Uh, uh, an angry crowd does not like the fact that the governor has uh, reduced his sentence, and so they, in the middle of the night, kidnap him from his cell and essentially lynch him, um, uh, lynch him for his crimes, even though he still said that he was all, he was innocent the entire time. It's a Sad musical, but it is such an amazing musical and amazing show. And it taught it the biggest arc in the entire show is not Leo Frank, it's actually the wife. The wife is very mousy and very quiet, but by the end, she is a strong woman. She fights for uh, helping her guy, and she is also able to let go and uh, uh, promise to continue life on. So her life isn't over when he, he dies but she's going to carry his memory and carry his legacy. It is a beautiful, beautiful musical and another musical that it's all up here as a film version. Um, Do you know the show at all, Amelia?
1: I do, actually. I've listened to it a couple of times and when you started playing it, I was like, this feels familiar. I couldn't quite place it until you said the title and then it came back to me. Um, Yeah, it's a fascinating, very, very sad story, but... Um, yeah it's a really cool show and I can see why it's so high on your list
0: yeah all right let's move on to Amelia's number two number two here um, after the ad of course. <laughs> This is Violet, the musical. Um, this musical is written by Janine Dessori and Brian Crawley, and it tells the story of a young, disfigured, disfigured woman who embarks on a journey by bus from her farm in Spruce Pine, North Carolina, all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, in order to be healed. Um, I actually know very little about this, but I do know it is a favorite among most of my theater friends. So the fact that it's this high up on your list does not surprise me at all. Um, Why do you like this one?
1: Oh boy. Um, I really love the story. I mean, the music is really fun. It's got a great score, a lot of very memorable songs. Um, But I really love the, like the story is about this young woman searching for healing. And I think On some level, that's someone that's something that almost everyone can relate to in some way, um, whether we're seeking physical or emotional or um, mental wellness. Everybody wants to feel whole and we want to feel beautiful and lovable. And um, we have Violet going on this journey for hoping for physical healing. Um, And what she does find is, like, over the course of the show, we see that her wounds go so much deeper than the scar on her face. Like, she has these um, really kind of awful ideas about herself and about other people because of the way she sees herself. Um, She's used to other people judging her by her appearance and making assumptions about her and treating her poorly because of that. And because of that, she judges people based on appearances and treats people pretty poorly sometimes. And um, she has a lot of unresolved trauma. She has a lot of um, a very complicated relationship with her father. And she discovers along the course of her journey that really what she needs, the healing she needs, um, has more to do with her heart and the way that she looks at herself and the way that she looks at other people. And that's the healing that she finds. Um, Like, she receives the healing that she needs, but it looks very, very different from what she was expecting. And I think, you know, as, as a Christian, something that I've struggled with a lot and I hope it's okay if I talk about this for a second no, um, go, ahead, go ahead. something that I've struggled with my whole life is this idea that you know people I've heard people say God answers every prayer but I've had so many times in my life when um, my prayers have not been answered the way that I wanted them to at all <laughs> and I think Uh, the fact that you know that's what we see in this show is the answer Violet receives is what she needs and it's actually a lot deeper and a lot um, more lasting and life-giving than what she had been praying for Um, and I think it's just it gets me every time that the healing that she's, that we do see her healed, we do see her prayer answered, but so much more fully than she expected. Um, I think a lot of the prayers in my life that haven't been answered the way I wanted them to, I hope that one day I'll be able to see things um, like we do at the end of this show. I hope that I'll be able to see how the answers that I've been given were Um, a much bigger and a much more complete answer than the one that I was hoping to see. Um, Haven't seen that yet for a lot of them, but I I do love this show kind of reminds me that, you know, I believe um, even if I don't see the healing or the the answer to prayer that I'm expecting to, I believe that God is working on something bigger. Um, And the show, like... I mean, it does deal with religion explicitly, but I feel like it's something that is accessible for, you know, you don't have to, it's not like a Christian show the way that the shows that Still Small Theater does are Christian shows. Um, So as a Christian, I find a lot of meaning to it, but I think even if you're not a Christian, there's plenty to relate to there. And there's still a lot of hope and a lot that's life-giving about this story
0: yeah there was a philosopher who said um if you look at your you know you live your life things happen there's chaos and unexplained phenomenon happen um seemingly chaos and and a mess but when you look back at it it feels it looks like a finely crafted novel (laughs) um And I'm I'm hoping that that's the case too. I'm right there with you in terms of those, what you think and believe in terms of uh, faith and prayers. And um, I I thank you for sharing that. I just, that was uh, beautiful. All right, let's finish up this list here. You're going to like this one. Uh, So this is Big River written by Roger uh, Miller. Um, It is so what I was saying earlier about the uh, musical that Amelia was singing uh, a song to and I immediately recognized it and sang another song to her during uh, um, Still Small Rehearsal. It was this and then after that we could not stop talking about big river i love this musical it's based on the mark twain the avengers of huckleberry finn it's pretty much a straight adaptation um but as it's long so as much i'm fun. in and in for good i might as well go whole ho i have lived an undirected life a cloudy way i know the only way i knew So the things I've done, in fact
2: each and every one, are the way that I was taught to run.
0: So at some point I will do a full episode on this, but I love this musical. I love the show. There's not much I can say. This is my number two. And when you hear my number one, you realize why it's that close, but it's really close. Uh, Amelia, I know you have at least like a, a quick opinion on, on this show.
1: I do love this show a lot. Um, I first, Encountered it in high school. I was doing um, tech for this and I got to watch it multiple times from the lighting booth and every time it just seemed to get better. Um, It's a Yeah, really I'm sorry that it wasn't on my top ten list and that's not because I don't love it It's just because I knew it would be on your list and there were other songs. I mean other shows that mean a lot to me, but yeah, it's really a great show
0: And with that what is Amelia's number one? Ah, uh, it's a Damn the passion, damn the skies, damn the light that's in her eyes. I know too well what it has led before. She saves me, but I can't be saved. Frees me, but I'm still enslaved. Now I battle what I most adore. Oh, let me say.
2: me
0: know that's right jane eyre is number one for amelia um again we are we did a whole episode on this but it, i think it it was without saying that this was your number one it makes total sense to me yeah
1: there's just so much about the story i love and i think i said it on the episode we did together this is the best literary at ad- all this is the best musical adaptation of a book um, that I've heard for many reasons, I'll, I'll I'm going to say more about it. We've already done a whole podcast episode.
0: Um, I will say, and I don't think I said it at the podcast, uh, one of those breakfast uh, 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 hangouts Amelia and I had, we sang this together. Couldn't have but not. All right, my number one, ladies and gentlemen. We finally made it. My number one is coming up ahead of you. Now, the reason why this is number one is because this is the first musical I ever had an obsession with.
2: I look a duty as the referee at the start of the match. On behalf of all our sponsors, I must welcome you, which I do. There's a catch. I don't care if you're a champion No one messes with me I am ruthless in upholding What I know is quite black or white, as you see, I she I'm on a
0: chess the musical chess this was my first obsession when i was a kid when i uh, my mom got um, so my mom got me this uh, cd set three cd set of songs from the musicals and it was sound of music it was king and i it was all the classics at the last track all of a sudden i know him so well and the uh, uh, one night in Bangkok came on, and I was like, "What is this?" And I got fascinated, trying to figure out what it was. And I got fa- I got obsessed with Tim Rice. Uh, uh, the um, Benny Anderson and uh, Bjorn uh wrote for Mamma Mia, and this was their first musical outside when they when they continued as songwriters. I love this show. It's kind of a mess as a show, but it's so much fun, and it's a pure rock and roll musical. It really is. Um, do you know this musical at all, Yes, I
1: do. I've listened through, I think, the whole thing at least once, and I watched the concert version that had um, Josh Groban, Idina Menzel, and um, I watched... I don't know if I actually got to see the whole thing, but... I do know chess. I will say that, like, hardcore rock musicals are not my favorite, and we've talked about how I'm... Highly suspicious of musicals written by people who are pop rather than musical theater composers. Um, they're not my favorite, but if you have, I mean, if it's something that you got into as a kid, like some of the ones on my list are mostly like they're there because of the role they played in my development as a musical theater enthusiast. Um, so. I respect that
0: um yeah and that was the case i mean let's put it this way you have she loves you i have chess
1: yeah, <laughs> i mean we can love you know there are shows that mean a lot to different people for different reasons and i can see why you enjoy chess i mean there's a lot to enjoy there
0: yeah. So, all right. Well, that was our list of top 10 uh, mu- obscure musicals. Please go check them out. Go check everything out. Again, this is part one. So um, I, uh, but uh, for the part one right now, I'd like to thank Amelia for uh, coming on the podcast again and uh, joining me on this. This was a lot of fun and great time to talk, talk about um, all this. And um, thank you so much just for coming on Amelia and uh, taking some time out of your day.
1: Thank you for having me. This has really been a pleasure and got a list of new shows that I need to check out.
0: Myself as well. Um, and you know what? Let's go out with a little fun, fun musical.
2: Jim, get up. You're after us. We ain't got a minute to lose. I ain't got all the provisions aboard no yet. Forget that. Just shovel out Now I'll lay into that pole, Jim. Look out for me. Oh, muddy water. Your mystery. And, wide. and I got a need for going someplace. And I got a need to climb and go back and ride.
0: When you're looking to plan your next Disney World, Disneyland or Disney Cruise line vacation, we suggest you reach out to Danielle Elliott at Marvelous Mouse Travels. Danielle is a long a lifelong Disney enthusiast, a former Walt Disney World cast member, and a graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge. When you book with her, your booking includes 100% free concierge-level services, uh, some of which include customizing the perfect Disney vacation package for you you and your family and your budget, uh, booking those difficult-to-secure fast passes and dining reservations, uh, providing tips and tricks to get out the most of your vacation, and more. Uh, Danielle also monitors Disney promotions to help you save money. For those uh, Disney trip veterans, still be in control of all the details. Danielle will take care of all your needs so you can have all the fun and truly say Akuna matata throughout your time at Disney. Contact her for your free quote at danielle.elliot at marvelousmousetravelsoneword.com or by messenger, messen, messaging her on her Facebook page.